Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. Jamie is at lightning underscore round. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. Of course, we're going to talk about Philip Rivers, and there's, of course, a lot to unpack there. But before we do, uh, let's run through these donations. First donation is from Marcus Turrigian, uh, who's been listening and donating for a long time. Thank you, Marcus. We appreciate the very generous donation. Yep. Thanks, Marcus. Uh, next is Samuel Gelber, who left the note. He said, my biggest fears are spiders, weird pains in my leg, and that you two are going to pull a John Gennaro and stop covering the team. Well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. And uh, we have the same fears as well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next donation is from Antonio Stevens. Haven't had time to listen this season. Caught the Green Bay recap. Good work as usual, guys. Well, thank you, Antonio. Thank you for checking in, and thank you for the donation. Yep, and uh, catch up on those other episodes, would you? Next is Steven Paisano, who says, Happy 200. Yes, 200 episodes. We've surpassed it. 202 now. Hard to believe where we started from where we started that we got 200 episodes. Pretty amazing. Uh, Next one is Frank Blakely who says, keep up the good work. Thank you, Frankly. Frankly. Thank you, Frank. Frankly Blakely. (laughs) 
<laughs> thank you, Frank, for the donation, and thank you for listening. Yeah, man, Marcus, Sam, Antonio, Steve, and Frank. We're all th- Thanksgiving's coming up. We're all thankful for you guys, everybody listening, and of course those who donate. So uh, before we get into Rivers, uh, some other news that is probably worth mentioning, and that is a lot of familiar faces are on their way. A lot of players who have been out for the Chargers are coming back. Uh, yeah, uh, Derwin James was designated for return this week. Uh, sounds like Adrian Phillips and Derwin James are both going to return. Uh, Russell Okung is practicing full this week. Mm-hmm. I believe also Jeremy Davis and Justin Jones and Justin Jackson are pra- are full participants in practice, or at least have been the last two days. So lots of guys getting healthy, some reinforcements on the way, um, which this team needs at 4-7. and seven. So nice to have these guys back, and hopefully they can help right the ship to some degree down the, down the stretch with these last five games. Yeah, uh, those of you who are fans of the tank, uh, this is bad news for you guys. Uh, and uh, it seems that the Chargers are probably destined to just not make the playoffs, get a, a middle-of-the-road pick, but uh, play pretty good at the end of the year, which should be exciting. So, you know, uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier, this, we're going to be talking about Rivers on this show because uh, that was kind of taking all the headlines after that Monday night loss, and deservingly so because it was a tough one because ultimately the team fell short again because of Phillip Rivers. So we got to talk about him, talk about his recent performances because they have not been great, Jamie. No, they haven't. And, you know, there's been a lot of focus on the last two weeks in particular where he's thrown the seven interceptions and he's cost them points and put them in big holes early in games. And all of that is a negative and it's definitely worth unpacking. But I think it's worth pointing out that it's not just a two-week thing. Uh, you know, most most Chargers fans are prone to saying, well, you can't throw him away after one week. You can't you can't say he's done after one week. It's just one week. He was playing at an MVP level just last year. You can't you can't just bag him after one week. Well, if you go back and you look over his last fourteen games, Rivers has eighteen touchdowns and twenty interceptions. So this is not a two game thing, it's not a three game thing. This is something that started late in the twenty eighteen season. Uh, his play started to decline after Melvin Gordon got hurt last year. It got really bad the last two or three weeks of the 2018 season. Uh, we all remember the team stinking it up and barely being able to move the ball in Denver at the end of the year last year. We remember that Sunday night game against, or Saturday night game, I think it was, against Baltimore, where they just harassed him and blitzed the hell out of him and he turned the ball over and he looked like he couldn't get the ball down the field. This is a continuing theme, and I know he's had some good games mixed in there, but uh, the overall body of work over, the last, over these last 14 games is concerning, to say the least. He's making bad decisions. Uh, he's making physical errors that you're not usually used to seeing him make, uh, missing wide-open receivers at times, overthrowing balls, underthrowing balls. He's having a hard time driving balls in the tight windows at times. Just uh, he looks like a 37-year-old quarterback who – might be done or at least is close to being done and he's hurting the team at this point more than he's helping them so it's it's quite alarming to see and it's hard to watch yeah no of course because we all have that personal tie to rivers and you know it's kind of a hard eval because we haven't really had to have this before in the past you know we can analyze him and he's had a bad game or two and um, he's cost the charger some games but uh, now currently he is costing the team uh, wins now 
there was never a consideration to bench him or go in a different direction. But I mean, with his performances lately, he's been throwing the team out of games. The seven interceptions, the two games, like you mentioned, uh, they were both back-to-back division games, which are really big. They had a chance to win it each time on the final drive. They were both spoiled by Rivers. Um, Andrios Siciliano threw out a stat after the Kansas City game that is Philip Rivers has a 17.7 passer rating when trailing by one possession in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter of this season, which is worse than the NFL. And if you think about how many bad quarterbacks are playing this year, that is a really alarming stat for a guy of uh, Philip Rivers stature. You know, right now it just seems like he's holding this team back and mostly because of his decision making. His football IQ was always what made him dangerous, but I think because of the lack of accuracy and the arm strength, like you mentioned, it's kind of pushing him a little bit more to make some very bad in-game decisions. I think it's speeding up his clock a little bit. And um, I think an important note here is I think a lot of people are going to you know, want to come to Rivers' defense, and I, I completely understand it because we both, Jamie and I, are, are emotionally tied to Phillip Rivers, and we don't want him to go. We want him to play forever if he could, but... Um, you know, a lot of people are going to then point blame to the Chargers offensive line. And, you know, I don't think there's any argument that they're bad because they are. But, you know, they were bad before they even hit the field because Telesco never did anything in the offseason. So we all knew that was coming. But uh, Rivers is the problem now. In fact, Rivers last year had the highest pass rating in the NFL while under pressure. So they weren't good last year. So even in spite of a bad offensive line, Rivers was able to make smart snap decisions, make a positive play while under duress. He's just not doing that now. He's not doing that this year, whether he's under pressure or not. So some, I think, need to accept that Rivers' play just is not up to par. Um, We're seeing a a decline, and um, it is tough to see, like you were mentioning. And I think... You know, you mentioned the football IQ. It seems like he's getting baited or tricked into making bad reads and bad decisions. Uh, And what's more, the one thing that he was always really good at was he could, even though he couldn't run, he could manipulate the pocket. He could slide. He could climb. He could do things to buy himself time and avoid pressure. And now what you're seeing is he's sliding into pressure. He's sliding into sacks. He's climbing into sacks. Uh, and even when there's no pressure, he's reacting like it is. He's fleeing the pocket and throwing the ball on the run. Uh, you know, there was a big a big deal made out of uh, Sam Darnold saying he was seeing ghosts on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago. And it really seems like when you watch Rivers, there are times where he is seeing and feeling and hearing ghosts in the pocket. He's bailing out of the pocket almost immediately before there's any sign of pressure. And, you know, the line has been bad at times this year. They've had their issues at tackle for sure. I think the middle of the line has been better in recent weeks. Um, But they played arguably their best game did the line um, against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Uh, Between uh, Trent Scott and Trey Pipkins, those two gave up, I think it was four pressures in 40-some-odd pass snaps last in that game. So those guys played really well. Rivers was only sacked twice in that game. Uh, of course, one of those sacks, it probably should have been three sacks because one of them, he was hit and it forced a, an interception. Um, but those guys played really well. And by and large, there was a lot of time for him to throw and make good decisions in the pocket in that game. And he just wasn't making them, wasn't making good throws, wasn't making good decisions. Um, and it seemed like the last the last interception, the one that ended the game, he almost threw it without looking. He was expecting a certain coverage tried to look it off 
and then just threw the ball without looking to see where Eckler was in relation to the defender, and there was just nowhere to put the ball. So <clears throat> uh, just just bad decisions all around, and he's reacting in a lot of cases to pressure that isn't there, and I think that's usually the first sign of a quarterback who might be a little gun-shy or a little shell-shocked that he's feeling and reacting to pressure that isn't there, and it's forcing him into bad decisions. So while you can certainly say the line has been bad this year, I don't think that was the case in Kansas City. I think it was most of it was just Rivers undoing himself to a large degree. Three out of the four picks were really on him. Yeah, and so you know we're noticing this these troublesome signs with Philip Rivers. Are you, if you're Anthony Lynn, are you benching Rivers? Are you playing Tyrod Taylor to finish out the year? At four and seven, I think Lynn is in a really difficult spot right now because he's preaching protecting the football and making good decisions and being judicious with the football. And the one guy that he needs to rely on to do that isn't doing that. So if he's trying to hold guys accountable, it becomes really difficult to hold guys accountable if he's not holding Rivers accountable. So if I'm Anthony Lynn, I'm really, really close to benching him, maybe giving him one more week to see if he can pull himself out of it. But at four and seven, maybe four and eight, you're looking at putting Tyrod in there, I think, because you need to show guys that Rivers can be held accountable for his mistakes because I think you run the risk of losing the locker room if you're not even trying to hold them accountable. And they're basically just looking at, you know, all of your talks about accountability and protecting the football as lip service. If Rivers can turn the ball over as much as he is and not run the risk of getting, getting benched. I don't think I'm doing it. If I'm Anthony Lynn, I'm not benching Rivers. I, I know it looks bleak and, you look at some of these games and um, Rivers has produced and, um, you know, where you are at the year, I think, you know, I would say let's just assess this in the offseason. I know this is a horrid stretch for the Chargers, and, uh, of course, there's still hope for Rivers that he can turn it around. But, listen, I'm not saying Rivers is the answer in 2020. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But with five games left, I'm leaving my veteran quarterback in. I know what Tyrod Taylor is. I don't think Tyrod is an upgrade over Rivers until Rivers is no longer playing. The reason that I don't think they'll do it and I wouldn't do it if I were Anthony Lynn is that I don't think this team would cater to Tyrod's strength in these next five games. I don't think they'll adjust the playbook and give Tyrod the freedom that he needs to succeed. We've seen how they do in-game adjustments from quarter to quarter. They barely tinker with the playbook, let alone cater a whole new path for Tyrod Taylor. No way they're doing that. He needs a, uh, an option offense, kind of like Lamar Jackson, something that's more catered toward Tyrod Taylor's strengths, and they're not doing that. With Rivers' recent play, you're definitely putting that in the discussion, but you know I don't think you get a true evaluation of Tyrod and whether he's part of the future plans because this coaching staff cannot fully utilize Tyrod in its proper setting midseason. And then you run the risk of cutting that career starts short, that whole record that Rivers holds, and then you're benching your veteran quarterback at the end of the year. I mean, I, I know stats don't matter, but still, there's a lot of things at play here. And I look, I, I don't think they benched. I don't think they're going to. I wouldn't do it. And I especially don't trust the coaching staff to run Tyrod out there and play to his strengths. So uh, just to counter a few things you said there, um, I I don't think benching Rivers is – how can I word this? I don't think you bench Rivers to get a feel for whether or not Tyrod Taylor is the future is part of the future plans because I don't think he is. Um, I don't think Tyrod is more than a stopgap answer at quarterback. 
So if they decide to draft a quarterback in 2020, you go into the season, I think, potentially with Tyrod as a starter, and you tell him you have to earn every start, and you're going to have a young potential first-round pick breathing down your neck. But Tyrod is not a long-term answer at quarterback. He just isn't. And I'm not saying he is. What I'm saying is I think you've evaluated Tyrod. You know what Tyrod is. So this isn't about evaluating Tyrod for next year. It's about corralling the locker room and saving potentially saving the locker room because you've got a bunch of guys who are free agents at the end of the year and next year. And if you're preaching one thing and doing another, you might have an issue with getting some of those guys to re-sign. So I think you have to look at the big picture here, and I think you say, okay, does Tyrod make us better? Probably not. But is he going to hurt us? No, he's not going to hurt us. And he might make us different enough to catch some people off guard without necessarily changing the playbook. More of, well, he can pick up a first down if we need it. He can run the ball in the end zone if we need it. He gives us a wrinkle. He makes us just different enough that we might be able to catch some people napping without having to change the playbook for him entirely. So uh, I think, you know, do I think they will bench him? I don't think they will. You asked if I was Anthony Lynn, would I do it? And I said yes, but I don't think he will. Um, I don't think you, I don't think the start streak is something that you take into account in a situation like this because there are bigger things at play. But um, if it was me, I would. I don't expect that they will. Uh, but I again, I don't think you're doing it to evaluate Tyrod because I think you know what Tyrod is. I think you're doing it because you feel like you need to show the rest of the locker room that everybody will be held accountable when they're making mistakes. And right now, there's no sign that Rivers is going to be held accountable. They're, they just keep throwing him out there, and he keeps making mistakes. And at some point, something's got to give. But then you know, then you look around the locker room and you see guys like Thomas Davis still getting 100 percent of the snaps, and you see guys like Rayshon Jenkins still getting bulk of the snaps. So, you know, I don't know if it's a whole thing about questioning, uh, you know, losing credibility because I mean they haven't had any credibility with their personnel decisions up to this point. If you're benching Rivers with five games to go. It just seems like a, I mean, in, in my opinion, it just seems like a bad look. You're benching your Hall of Fame, your potential Hall of Fame quarterback in a lost season. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in this front office from top to bottom. So if the coaches lose credibility for not benching Rivers, I say, when did they have credibility at all? You know? Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely they're playing some of the wrong guys in the wrong. They're give, they're splitting the snaps the wrong way at certain positions for sure. Um, there's no way of knowing, you know, what their credibility is in the locker room. But I just think, you know, you got to be able to look the team in the eye. And right now I'm not sure the coaches can do that. How how can you look them in the eye and say, you're, you know, you're holding people accountable and we're, we're emphasizing protecting the football when Rivers is, the defense is playing their asses off and Rivers is throwing the ball away left and right. It's just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think they'll do it. Um, I'd be surprised if they did it. And I can see arguments for both sides. I can see the, well, Rivers has at least earned the right to play out the rest of the season. I can see that argument. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I get it. Um, so I, I, th- I think there are valid points on both sides. But if it was me, I'd at least be talking about it, if not doing it, because I think it's worth. it warrants at least a conversation. 
Yeah, and I think to add to your point, I think if you were if you were Anthony Lynn, this whole thing with Thomas Davis and Rayshon Jenkins wouldn't be happening anyway. So right. you know you can't have it. You know, <laughs> half Anthony Lynn, half Jamie, because right. he would completely change it all over. So so to that degree, uh, th- that's true. And um, we know that the Chargers were actually going to try to get Tyrod in the game against Kansas City. Gilbert Manzano had said that they were trying to plan some plays for Tyrod. Um, they I had a red zone had, package for him. Yeah, yeah. They had plays up inside the five. They had some down the field plays, he said, but none of them really worked out. The situations never really came up. So, you know, the, he said he wants to get him involved. He's not saying we're going to play Tyrod full time, obviously, but they'd like to get him on the field more, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, which I think in and of itself says a lot about the way they're looking at Rivers right now, because I think. I don't even think there was a discussion about getting Tyrod on the field uh, because I don't think anybody wanted to have the discussion with Rivers about taking him off the field in the red zone. So the fact that they're they're designing plays for Tyrod and they're um, they're thinking about ways to get him on the field, I think speaks to kind of how they're how they're viewing the way Rivers is playing, and they want to see if they can get something out of somebody else in the red zone or maybe create some other plays somewhere else with someone else, uh, even if it means, you know, pissing Rivers off because you're taking him off the field because you know he doesn't want to come off the field. You think his teammates are starting to lose faith in Rivers? I I got to believe there are at least some that are. I mean, how could you not? How could you watch him play like this for the majority of the last 14 games and not wonder if he still gives you the best chance to win? Um, you know, he put them in a 10-point hole in Oakland, single-handedly put them in a 10-point hole in Oakland, and those points hurt because they could have been going into that last game up 20, that last drive going up, you know, being up 24 to 10 with five minutes to go. And the last drive in the, in the Raiders game doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, he put them in a hole in Kansas City because he was turning the ball over. Same situation. So there, I'm sure there are guys who are, my guess is some of the younger guys who are killing themselves and, and playing really well, particularly on defense who feel like they're doing enough to win and they're seeing the offense, you know, shit the bed left and right. I'm sure there are some of those guys, some of the marquee guys who are looking at it saying, you know, we should be winning right now and we're not, and it's his fault. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't see how guys aren't losing faith in him based on the way he's playing. It just, it's just a bad look. And it's got to be annoying guys because they are playing, the defense especially is playing well enough to win most of these games. What yeah, do you think? And I, yeah, no, I think the team's definitely uh, rolling with Rivers, but, you know, he's the leader. But anybody that's watched the game, let alone been on the field, cannot deny the obvious decline over the last few games. So I think it's natural to question Rivers' sustainability with his recent play. I think you do that with every player on the field. When somebody is stinking it up, you obviously question, what is wrong with this guy? Why is he struggling? Can I trust him next to me? And I think it's totally different with a quarterback, but... You know, I think this team will stick with them, and uh, they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna bench Rivers at all. But you know, I don't. I don't know if there's gonna be an uprising. I think you know nobody's going into Lynn's office and saying, "Hey, give me Tyrod. Let's go. It's time for him to take over." But I know that everybody, including every fan, every player, anybody, has got to question how long Philip Rivers can play because this team lives and dies on Rivers' right arm, and right now. 
they've died more than they've lived. So, you know, they're four and seven. They've got five games left. Uh, this is pretty much a lost season now. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's natural to question him and maybe lose a little faith, but I think a lot of the veterans will keep that locker room together. I don't think there's going to be any, um, infighting. I don't think it's going to break apart the locker room, but, um, I I think it's natural to question Rivers play right now. Yeah. And I'll just say this without revealing too much. I did speak to somebody who would know, and he suggested that there are some people in the locker room who are losing faith or questioning Rivers right now. So... It's yeah. definitely happening. To what extent, I don't know. Who, I don't know. I just know that it's happening. Yeah, and I think and I think that's natural. I don't think they're wrong for doing that. I think everybody's got to be questioned right now. This is a somebody's got to be responsible for this. And Rivers is part of the problem. Uh, Lynn is part of the problem. The uh, offensive line is part of the problem. There's a lot of blame to go around, but I think it's it's perfectly natural. And I don't think that's that big of a deal to start questioning Rivers because he absolutely deserves it. He has been playing well. Hey, maybe he turns it around and they finish nine and seven and things look great and sunny. But maybe they squeak a playoff. Who knows? I don't even want to finish that sentence. But at nine and seven, <laughs> they feel they you feel a little bit better about the season and uh, you can start to trust Rivers a little bit more. So, which now begs the question: Where do the Chargers go from here in twenty twenty? This is not going to be a popular answer, but that's what we do here. So. Um, I, I think it's time to move on. Uh, and I think it's time to move on for a couple of reasons. And we've kind of talked about this in a few different shows this season already. Um, I think the biggest reason that it's time to move on, uh, you know, he's obviously he's 37 and he's not playing well, but they're headed into a new stadium and I don't know how well rivers resonates with LA in terms of the fan base. or any team or player in that respect, <laughs> for that matter, because nobody likes anybody right now. Right, but I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, he is a San Diego guy. He is most closely connected to and associated with San Diego, and I don't know that going into going into the new stadium with a 37 year old quarterback coming off of a down year, who has in the past been vocal about not not necessarily wanting to be in L.A and who really hasn't done much in the playoffs, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know if that's a marketing plan that this team is re- ready to build around, which is why I you know, I said it a few weeks ago that I think there was a discussion had before the season, and it was either the team saying, you know, we're considering moving on, or Rivers saying, hey, I might call it a, a season after this. I might call it a career after this season. Something is going on that is keeping them from having honest dialogue about a contract extension with Rivers. And I think both sides are probably pretty pretty close to being ready to move on. And I think the team especially needs a new face, a new name, somebody they can get, get hopefully galvanize the, the LA market with and build around for the foreseeable future in the new stadium. And I don't know that Rivers is that guy. I don't know that they can get the kind of push and buzz from a marketing standpoint with Rivers that they could with somebody else. So I think it's time to move on. I think it's a business decision as much as it is a football season. And I know they they say publicly they want to keep him. And he said publicly he wants to play in the new stadium. But I'm not sure that, you know, that four or five hour commute every day to work is something he wants to do. And I, you know, I think he's got to be seriously considering retiring with the way he's playing. He even said recently 
that he's going to take some time off after the season to figure out if continuing to play is the right thing to do. So I think it's time for both both sides to move on. Yeah, you know, I, I love Philip Rivers. I've had the unique opportunity to talk to him. I've interviewed him twice, and uh, he's just the best. I was ecstatic when uh, Eli threw his fit and they got Rivers and that trade over Eli because uh, he was my favorite quarterback in that draft. And, of course, no one knew it because Twitter wasn't around then. But <laughs> I was a big fan of Rivers. He will always be QB1 in my heart. I wholeheartedly believe he deserves to be in Canton. But I think Philip Rivers has just got to hang it up. He's just got to retire. Last year we saw glimpses of it. We talked about you know the arm strike taking a dive. The decision-making problems have popped up now. Uh, but the team kind of overcame all that last year. This year it just seems like they couldn't keep up with expectations with Rivers under center. And I just think for his health, for his family, I think he should just go off in the sunset. And I think there's no shame in that. Of course, we would, everybody listening to this, everybody who's a fan of Rivers would love for him to hoist that trophy in a Chargers jersey. But, you know, I, I just don't think it's in the cards. And I think he's had a lot to be proud of. Uh, he's definitely a Hall of Famer in my mind. Um, I know Rivers contemplated retiring after last offseason, but I think it's time. And I think the Chargers need a new quarterback in 2020. And I get Rivers could turn it around and um, they could look pretty good with Derwin and Adrian Phillips coming back and what it could have been. But I have a hard time believing that you can go into the 2020 season believing that it's not going to get worse than it was this year with that arm strength, with decision-making. I mean, it's just starting to dive a little bit. And I would hate for it to go the way of Peyton Manning where he can barely throw the ball, he can't move, and it's an ugly scene. I would hate to do that. But, you know, I just think it's time that the Chargers are going to have to draft a quarterback, hopefully, uh, in 2020. Um, I think, like you mentioned, having Tyrod begin the season in 2020, let the rookie sit. You know, worst comes to worst, Tyrod stinks it up, and they got to make a change midseason. But yeah, I think they got to get younger. I think they got to get it through the draft. Um, having all these great players come back hurts that chance of getting a good quarterback now uh, because they're uh, more inclined to win some games now. But um, in terms of Rivers, I mean, I think I think it's about time. We love the guy. Um, it's obviously no slight. Jamie loves the guy. I love the guy. You've heard us talk about and gush about Philip Rivers and how much we love him. So um, obviously no slight against him, but I think it's, it's time for him to retire. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I loved Philip Rivers when he came out of college. I was thrilled that they got him. I loved watching him play. I think... He's just an amazingly passionate and competitive guy. 
and he's just a lot of fun to watch, and it's been a privilege to be able to watch him, but I think it's time for him to hang it up. And if he doesn't want to hang it up, I think it's time to part ways. Um, I definitely, and I've seen a lot of this on Twitter, I definitely do not think they should be re-signing Rivers to a one- or two-year extension and drafting a quarterback. Um, and I, I don't think that's a plausible path for a couple reasons. One, you're probably going to have to pay Rivers 17 to $20 million a year for the next couple of years. So if you sign him to an extension and you draft a quarterback in the first round, you lose all the cap benefits that come along with drafting a first-round quarterback because now you've got Rivers and you've got Tyrod and you've got a first-round quarterback. So any benefits of having that quarterback and his rookie deal for the first couple of years where you can help you know, maybe sprinkle some offensive linemen in and add some more talent through free agency, keep some of the guys that are scheduled to be free agents over the next couple of years – you lose a lot of that ability if you keep Rivers and draft a quarterback. So that's the first thing is I don't think that's a plausible um, uh, I don't think that's a plausible path from a cap perspective or a financial perspective. The other thing is, look in today's NFL, it's very rare that you draft a first round quarterback and he sits right away. Uh, I've seen people saying, let him sit for two years behind Rivers and learn. In my opinion, rookie quarterbacks learn on the field. You see the most growth from guys who play right away and are adjusting more quickly to the speed of the game. They're reading coverages. They're learning from their mistakes on the field. You don't get that same learning opportunity sitting on the bench just talking to Rivers in the film room. That's not how it works, in my opinion. So, you know, I don't think you want to go into a situation where you're looking at Rivers sticking around for two years and you draft a quarterback and you're thinking about playing that that first-round quarterback in, the, in year three. Because now you've got one year to make a decision on his on his um, fifth year option, so there are a whole lot of things you've got to juggle here. And I think if you're going to draft a quarterback, you go with a guy like who like um, Tyrod, because you know he's not part of the future, and you know you're not committed to him, and you're not going to have a hard time replacing him. You give him his starts, you tell him he's got to earn every snap, and as soon as he's not earning the snaps, you put that rookie on the field and you roll forward with the rookie and see what you got. I think that's the way you have to go. And I just think that signing that extension with Rivers and bringing him back for a year or two and expecting him to bring a young quarterback along and thinking that quarterback is going to learn sitting on the sidelines, I think you're just kicking the can down the street and you're you're delaying the inevitable. So I think you're better off ultimately cutting the cord and drafting that quarterback and letting the quarterback and Tyrod compete for time until the, the young guy is ready to take over. That's the way I would go. So we both think that Rivers should retire, but what do you feel about if he doesn't retire, about these rumors about him wanting to play in Tennessee? Um, you know, it's interesting because I always just assumed that if he wasn't a Charger, he'd retire. Uh, you know, he's rooted in San Diego. Uh, there's a belief that he didn't want to play in L.A., so unless he's going to uproot his family and move back to Alabama to play in Tennessee, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but... You know, sticking him in Tennessee where they've got a good running game and a good offensive line and a good defense, you know, you might see a, a brief resurgence from him. So I, I'm, I'm not sure I buy it, but it might make some sense on some levels. Yeah, I definitely don't buy it because it's from Matt Miller. And <laughs> um, and, I'll, and I'll just say nothing against the guy. I don't know him personally, but 
if he's right about this, this is the first thing I've ever seen him report correctly because uh, he was the guy who famously guaranteed that the Chargers were going to draft Ronnie Stanley over Joey Bosa. Um, a lot of his draft takes do not work out. Um, it seems like I don't know if teams feed him bad information on purpose, but uh, whatever he gets never ends up working out. And, you know, I, I don't know. I I get that the, the Tennessee offensive line is pretty good and uh, Derrick Henry is – Pretty good on the ground, but man, that that receiving court's tough. And I know they got an off season to put it together, but seems like he'd be worse off there than he would just sticking with the Chargers. You don't think he could make something out of receiving core with AJ Brown and and um, Chris Davis, Adam Humphreys, and or uh, is it Chris Davis? What's his name? Corey Corey Davis. Corey Davis. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, AJ Brown looks pretty good this year, maybe, but still, I don't know. I mean. I, I don't know. I think Chicago probably makes more sense. He's in, at least got some more good defense and some more offensive weapons. In the wind with his arm? Well, well, <laughs> well I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but on paper, I like that idea better. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I still, I'm still of the belief that if he doesn't, if the team doesn't move forward with him or vice versa, that it's because he's going to retire. I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if he continues playing if things don't work out and he doesn't get an extension or they decide to part ways for whatever reason. Yeah, same here. I don't think he ends up playing for any other team. I think it's this year is done. If they sign him, it's, you know, he's he's going to retire a charger. Well, he's going to regardless, but I don't think he's going to play for another team either. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion on Phillip Rivers. Uh, we got some games to break down next week. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. We appreciate you all. We're all thankful for you guys listening. I am at Garrison on Twitter. Jamie? At lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.